Welcome to the Case Comedy Podcast. Happy to be with you for another episode. We're going to talk about the final four. We had the Elite Eight games over the weekend. We have our four teams that will be in Houston this weekend. We're also going to talk about Lamar Jackson and one of the most high-profile free agent quarterback situations that we've ever seen. But we're going to first start with college basketball, March Madness, And in the year where we've had NIL deals, we've had the transfer portal, we've had these COVID players with extra years. We got three teams that have never been there before. We've gotten, we have, excuse me, Florida Atlantic out of the East, Yukon out of the West, Miami of Florida, and San Diego State. It was wild. It was very wild. Uh, looking at Florida Atlantic, their Sweet 16 game and a big comeback where they beat Tennessee 62-55. That was impressive. They beat Kansas State, who Marcus Noel might be player of the tournament, and he didn't even make the Final Four. I mean, absolutely spectacular. 20 points, 19 assists against Michigan State in that overtime legendary game that will be remembered as a March Madness classic. Struggled against Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic did win the game 79-76 in the Elite Eight champ in the Elite Eight 30 and 12 for Marquise Noel, who played all 40 minutes, even on that hurt ankle. But it was Florida Atlantic. And you know, this was one of the teams I I, I mentioned it. That Memphis Florida Atlantic game. Whoever won that game had a chance to make a run. Simply because I just think they had the path to do so. Obviously, I didn't think Purdue would lose in the first round, but I thought both of them were good matchups. Or Atlanta can play inside now. I mean, we, we've seen that. John Al Davis, their best player, he had 13-8-6, didn't shoot the ball while he was in foul trouble a little bit. Vladislav Golden had to look horrible the first couple games. 14-13, he dominated that Kansas State game. He was absolutely phenomenal. But they have other guards. You saw Greenlee with 16 points. Elijah Martin, Elijah Martin, excuse me, was 17. Witherspoon had seven, but they were big points. I mean, they play... Nine guys, significant minutes, and they play really well. And, and the one thing that not a lot of people talk about Florida Atlantic, obviously 31-3 and three coming into the thing. They're now 35-3, and three, most wins in school history. Their second tournament in appearance ever. The Sun Belt is a very tough conference because there's so many different styles of play. UAB, team that's still in the NIT, led by one of the nation's best scorers, Jelly Walker. They play fast. They want to score a lot of points. North Texas, one of the best defensive teams in the country. They're top, top five in points per game and pace. They slow it down. They're mid-major version of Virginia. They had to play them. Florida Atlantic goes against a lot of different types of tempo, and that has helped them in this tournament. It helped them when they had to beat Tennessee, a slow physical team similar to North Texas. They played Kansas State, a team with a couple stars that really score a lot of their points. Marquise Noel, Keontae Johnson. They want to play fast, want to play up-tempo. That is UAB with a dynamic point guard. They were able to play some of these teams in the not, in their conference, which was a great carryover to here. 
And I think that was one thing that made them so successful is they can play any type of game because they've done it the entire year. I mean, one example was Gonzaga. Gonzaga lost by 28 to UConn. They struggled to play at a slower pace where possessions matter. I mean, yeah, they could play against UCLA when it was back and forth, but UConn struggled in those type of games. Gonzaga did. That's what UConn did. That's why UConn is also another team, which I liked the whole time. But UConn was a very good team. They had, once again, a pretty tough path, but they were able to obviously overcome some things. They finally got hot at the right time, but they can play slow. They can play fast. Led by Adam Snow, go inside. They got Caravan. They have Hawkins. They have Andre Jackson. They got shooters. So they can kind of, they, they can play that slow, fast tempo. And I think that was something that we've seen is veteran teams who can play at different tempos. Saw Alabama. Alabama got tripped up in that Sweet 16 by San Diego State, who slowed it down. I mean, San Diego State, that Elite Eight game, 57-56. Very close game. I think, obviously, it came down to the end with a foul. On Nimhard, I thought it was a foul. It was unfortunate that the game ends like that, but it's a foul. I mean, it is what it is. It was a foul. It was kind of that simple. Made some, Trammell stepped up, made some free throws, but they played at their pace, 57-56. Great, made two threes. That's the type of game that San Diego State wants to play, and Creighton couldn't play that way. So tempo matter. It really does. You see a team like Miami of Florida, huge second-half comeback where they overtook a 13-point lead, but they played at their tempo. They know they can't play a lot of defense, but they can score. Jordan Miller had an all-time performance, 27. Isaiah Wong with a solid 14, but tempo matters. And a lot of people don't think it matters. And it's kind of so overlooked when it comes down to the tournament, but it matters so much. That's why when looking at these final four games, I think we're in for a couple of good ones. San Diego State, Florida Atlantic. San Diego State's going to want to slow it down, slow that tempo down. Play in the 50s. Florida Atlantic will do that, and Florida Atlantic can do that. I, I will be picking Florida Atlantic for that reason. I just don't think San Diego State has enough guys that can make shots. You know, they've kind of been able to avoid that with the Creighton game. They got fouled. I mean, they weren't, they, they didn't really, weren't in scenarios where they had to consistently make tough shots. They did against Alabama, but it was kind of a full-term game. And I, I, when it comes to these back and forth, I trust Florida Atlantic and some of their guards in some big one-on-one -on -one situations rather than San Diego State's. Another thing to look at for San Diego State, going to be Matt Bradley. He struggled mightily in that Elite Eight game over Creighton. He wasn't even on the court at the end of the game. Only played 20 minutes at two points. I believe he was one of eight from the field. He's very important for San Diego State. He is their scorer. When it comes out to it, he, he is their scorer. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays without a bad game. What was that? I mean, obviously, they play nine guys, and they play them a lot. I mean, there's not a lot of difference compared to, obviously, Creighton, who had five guys play over 35 minutes. San Diego State had almost every, every player that played the game had 14 minutes played, all nine, at least 14 minutes. So, I mean, obviously, Darian Trammell has kind of stepped up, and he's been that go-to guard for the Aztecs. But I think Bradley's going to have to step up if they want to beat Florida Atlantic. I think Florida Atlantic matches up well. I think they do. But once again, when you have San Diego State veterans, you just hope that someone gets hot. Nobody really got hot in that game, but they were able to persevere through. UConn-Miami, that's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be a very up-tempo game. 
Miami, they struggle to defend the ball. They, they, we know they can't play defense, and they know they can't play defense, but it doesn't matter when you can put 90 up whenever they want. Put up 88 against Texas. They put up 89 against the best defense in the country, Houston. I mean, there's not much more that they need to prove. They can put the ball in the basket. And just to think that this team struggled to even make it out of the first round. They were in trouble against Drake. And if we're able to push through that one, I mean, look where they've got. These teams get hot, and that's just how it works. I mean, that, they dominated Indiana. Scored 85 in Indiana, so they can score against everybody. That's very clear. When you have guards like they have, Jordan Miller, Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, which is an elite backcourt right there. They're very tough to beat. Poplar, Poplar's even stepped up. So, I mean, they, they, they've got some dudes. And they're going to match up UConn, I think, decently well. It's going to be interesting to see, can they guard Sonogo consistently? And will UConn lean on Sonogo? We've seen UConn lean on Sonogo at times. Hurley has changed it up a little bit here and there. I think this is going to be a fun one. I think the Huskies are just overall a little bit better of a team. I've been very back and forth in, on this game because I think UConn's a better team, but is this just that Miami run? Sometimes you run into these guards, and we've seen it year after year, where guards get hot and it's tough to stop guards. It's a lot easier to stop bigs. Ask FDU. Ask Zach Eady. Hard to get it into a big. But I think they saw some pieces on the outside. That one is going to be such a close game. And just Miami with their way that they score the ball. However, look at the team. Miami is similar to a Gonzaga team. Want to play fast. They want to play in transition. They don't play great defense. Gonzaga was stifled against UConn. And couldn't do anything. Couldn't score. And UConn could score at will whenever they wanted to. So it's just a very interesting game. We'll, we'll be able to see if Miami can play some more defense, obviously. But we'll see if UConn can keep uh, scoring. But I'd like Florida Atlantic to be San Diego State. I don't have a prediction yet for you. In the Miami-UConn game, it's very back and forth. But Dusty May, the head coach of Florida Atlantic, has gotten himself in the room. And he will be getting paid this offseason if he wants to. We'll see. I mean, obviously, he was a walk-on. Walk-on, excuse me. Grad assistant at uh, Indiana, excuse me. So, obviously, we'll see. What happens with this run? I mean, I assume he leaves, but it's interesting. But I mean, what a tournament. And this one, people say the NIL changed everything. And the one thing that it will that is consistent, it will stay consistent to the tail of time. Freshmen do not win in the tournament often. They just don't. It's very hard. Look at Miami. I mean, you have three veteran guards who have been there to the Elite Eight before last season. It's very hard with freshmen, especially guards, to win. Look at Purdue. Look at teams like Alabama. Ran into a veteran San Diego State squad. That's what happens. Hard. 
it's hard with freshmen that don't understand the moment and they have to play in these March Madness games against these guys who've been there for four years. Time and time again, it's what matters most in the NCAA tournament. Period. So remember that next year for your bracket. But when we come back, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. Just, it's just a weird scenario with, with Lamar. It's just very strange. And today, on Monday, he officially, on Twitter, announced he wanted a trade. Talk about that when we come back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Case Conley podcast and with NFL free agency still looming large, there's one massive player still looking for a new team and it's going to be Lamar Jackson. Lamar is asking for a trade. Obviously, they haven't been able to get the uh, financial set up for his new contract. He's negotiating on his own, which is new. We've never seen that before. But he says he's doing well, and I think he was, he's was he been doing pretty well for himself, too, with some of the offers that he's declined. But looking at the future, because I don't think he's going to be a Baltimore Raven after the season. I just don't think he is. I think he clearly has made his voice known. I think if he really wanted to stay in Baltimore, a deal would have gotten done. But it didn't. We move on, and we just look at some of the teams that he could go to. Just looking at some of the Betting odds that DraftKings has as of now. This is Monday afternoon. Probably will change before this podcast comes out. The Falcons plus 250. The Colts plus 300. The Commanders plus 450 are the three favorites. I don't think the Falcons make a move on him. I think they have Heineke and I think they really like Desmond Ritter. I think they trust Desmond Ritter. They want to give Ritter a full chance. I agree with them. I, I think Ritter is a good player. And I think Ritter can be a good quarterback in the National Football League. That division is so wide open, which is why I think any of the teams in the division could reach out to him, other than New Orleans. I could see Carolina having some conversation. I could see the Bucs. The Bucs have a very win-now roster. It's just they need that quarterback now. So I wouldn't be that surprised if he ended up going the Bucs. I think the Bucs should look for that. The one thing the Bucs have is they have the cheap quarterbacks right now. Obviously, Baker Mayfield on a $8 million deal, I believe. Kyle Trask still on his rookie deal. So they, they don't have a lot of money tied into quarterbacks, which I think make that deal happen a lot better for the Bucs. Obviously, do they have the assets? I don't know if they have as many assets trade-wise. Trade-wise that Baltimore's going to look for? I don't know. But I think they're a team that definitely you can watch and consider. The Colts should go get him. Ballard has no reason not to. The roster is, is still solid. It's still very good. They have the assets to get rid of in young players and in draft capital. And they still need a quarterback. So I think that kind of logistically makes the most sense. I'd love to see him in Tennessee. You have Ryan Tannehill on an expiring deal. First off, I think Ryan Tannehill is inter interesting enough not only will you have teams come after Daniel if you get Jackson, that's no-brainer. You might have Atlanta who will say, we'll take Ryan Tannehill. They're not Atlanta, excuse me, uh, Baltimore. Just might as well just say, we'll take Tannehill. 
and we'll take him for the year. I think that could very easily happen. But I think the Titans, you have the similar offense. You don't need to change that much. And that's the one thing with Lamar is you have to commit to Lamar roster building wise. You have to build a certain roster around him. They have a roster that's really ready for them. That power run game is really ready. And I think you saw what Malik Willis, Malik Willis struggled this last season, but he was able to run the ball efficiently. I think that's where you come have Lamar come in and say, look at Malik Willis could run the ball well in this offense. I think Lamar can, obviously, an MVP. I would love to see Lamar in the Titans. I think you could really give this Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson backfield a shot for at least a year or two until Henry's year expires. You can sign Lamar long-term. Lamar can be your guy. They still are needing that guy, and I don't think Malik Willis is going to be that guy, at least for the next two, three years. So why not bring in Lamar and give really give him a chance? There's no reason not to. He fits well. I think with the weapons they have on the outside, like Traylon Burks, you'd like to see him add maybe another receiver. But I think they're ready. And Mike Vrabel, they, they want to stay competitive, not go into a full rebuild, but you still have your quarterback for the future. You can get rid of some of those. They, they, they have enough picks. They, they haven't lost any picks. I think that deal makes the most sense. I also think the Dolphins make a lot of sense. Tua is not the guy in Miami, I don't think. And obviously with the injury concerns, all that, I don't think he's the guy. So that's where, when you really take a look at Miami, teams would want Lamar, teams would want to attack Iloa. I mean, that's for sure. That is 1,000% for sure. So I think when you look at it, if you could give up a couple picks, you bring in Lamar. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to try to squeeze the cap room to make it happen. But I think realistically, that's another shout. And I think another shout out the Vikings. They just had uh, their new GM. We see Adolfo Mensa. He'll make an, he'll he'll make some changes. He's obviously we've seen him get rid of some of the veterans and bringing in new guys, and they've shifted a lot there. And you don't really know about Cousins' future. You don't know how long you're gonna have Justin Jefferson there. Why not build that around? And I think I think once again he fits in the office de- decently well. And with a kind of wide-open NFC North, where the Lions are probably the best teams, and I think the Lions are another team that could make the splash too, but I could see the Vikings doing it. I could see the Lions doing it, but I don't think they're going to. I think if this is last season, I think they would do it. But the roster is finally coming along. You have the picks now to really add the support to the roster. Jared Goff has played pretty well. I think he's good enough. So you might, you can, they could go after a quarterback. We don't even know. But if you trust Goff, you might as well just keep riding Goff until he makes something happen. So, I mean, obviously I think if you can make it happen, yeah, but I don't think you want to get rid of those two first round picks that you have. Two top, I believe two top 16, 18 picks. So that's why I think from Detroit, I don't think they would do it. I think last year they would have done it before we saw Goff, but I think they have some trust in Dan Campbell, some trust in, Jer- trust in Jared Goff. And you look at the moves that they made in the offseason, they went after running back. David Montgomery. I mean, they trust the offense enough. It's about adding the defense. And so that's why I don't think the Lions would necessarily jump out for this. But 
Another interesting one is the Carolina Panthers. Something that's very important to look at is they wanted Derek Carr. They tried to get Derek Carr. They they before they moved up number one, they they tried to get Derek Carr. They would go the veteran route. You got Frank Reich. You have kind of an underrated sporting cast. They've added some guys. Obviously, we're, we have to wait see who they're adding in the draft. But if they're not sold on any of those prospects, why not go get them? I mean, is Lamar worth the number one overall pick? That's conversation I think they're going to have to have. I mean, obviously, another team is is the Commanders or a lot of teams, but the Commanders just aren't the type of team to make that splash. I mean, he is close. I think that's something important, too. They can't really draft a quarterback early. It'll be interesting to see if Ron Rivera likes that mobile quarterback. He had Cam Newton, obviously, when Cam Newton was an MVP. Does he want to bring that in? They have Sam Howell, who they like, but he obviously don't know enough. They signed Brissett on a small deal. So I think the commanders could make it work. It's interesting. It's very interesting, the commanders did. But I don't know if they have the draft commodities that, that I think the Ravens are really looking for. And, I mean, then, of course, people have talked about the Patriots. James Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Gusecki. They've added some more of this short passing game, run-heavy offense. Don't really know about Mac Jones' job security. I mean, Belichick is 70. Is he going to go all in? I think maybe maybe there's something there. But obviously the Colts. The Colts are obviously. They have number four pick. Interesting to see. Do they want to go win now? Do they not? That's really, I think, the the important team in all this, and probably the team that the Ravens are going to be asking about. But in reality, nothing changes, other than the fact that I don't think he plays as a Baltimore Raven. I think if they somehow don't trade him and they keep him, and I don't think he'll play. I think he'll actually sit out the year. It's the vibes I'm getting from Lamar, especially with all the time that they've had to make this happen. Now he's asking to be traded. I mean, he's already a free agent, and now he's asking to be traded. That means he thinks he's still going to be on the Baltimore Ravens roster in a year. Not a year, but by the time the season starts, when training camp hits, he thinks he's going to be on the Baltimore roster if he's asking for a trade when you're a free agent. So I think he's on his way out. I would love to see him in Tennessee. Tennessee is the place that I think makes the most sense. It makes the most sense. And, you know, we've seen them talking to Quarterbacks all offseason, and it makes the most sense to partner him up. Tannehill is easy to get rid of. Not because he's bad, but I think, A, $27 million on a one-year deal. Expiring deal, teams love. A lot of the guys would give him a chance. I think even the Ravens might as well give him a chance. Another thing that's interesting is the cap space. After this year, Titans have a lot of cap room. So cap is not an issue for the Titans. And and they've been shopping Derrick Henry. This kind of gives you the opportunity. If you go get Lamar, you could perhaps trade Henry, kind of get back what you got for Lamar, depending on how Henry plays, if he's healthy, et cetera. Even if you want to give them a chance, you could give them a chance to run it one or two years, run it with Henry and see if it works. I, I, that makes the most sense to me. And I think the Titans would maybe be 
the favorite in the AFC, to be honest. It is tough to play that Tennessee Titans team already, and they're missing that proven quarterback. You bring in Lamar Jackson. He is that proven quarterback who fits the roster perfectly. They can run that read option perfectly. It, it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. That's where, that's where they don't have to change their lineups that much. They have some of the receivers. They have Traylon Burks. I'd like to see him go out maybe get another one. They've, they've been trusting a lot of these younger receivers they have. Maybe in the draft we'll see them take one. But I, realistically, stylistically, I think it's the best move for not only Lamar, but also the Titans. I think the NFL is all about taking risks. And it's moderating risk. I think this is a good risk for them to take. I think it's a good move for them to take. And they have kind of the plan A and plan B from that. You can let Malik Willis sit behind him. Watch him develop. That makes the most sense to me. When you look at the Tennessee Titans organization. Mike Vrabel is a win-now guy. And that defense is good. I mean, they signed uh, Sean Murphy Bunting. Tampa Bay Corner. Who will, who will be able to make some work happen. Obviously, their offensive line needs a little bit of help. They need to figure out what they want to do with Kevin Byard, who wanted to take a – the Titans tried to get a, make a pay, tuck, pay cut, didn't really take that. So I think they obviously need to figure out those two positions, offensive line and safety with Byard. But they're set up, and you know that division is getting tougher, yeah. But, I mean, Houston – Shouldn't really compete. The Colts, as they are now, I mean, without a quarterback, they can't really compete. You have Jacksonville, kind of an unproven, but they won a playoff game last year. They were seeing Lawrence develop. They're adding Calvin Ridley to the mix, but that's an open division if they go out and get a guy like Lamar. That's why it makes a lot of sense to me to stay competitive. So I could see the Colts. I could see the Vikings, but I think he'll end up being a Titan. And I think the Titans will make this move, and they should make the move. There's not many times you can get a quarterback like this. Like that's why we that's why we talk about it being so important. Is it's not easy to get an MVP quarterback, and especially when there's one that doesn't want to be where he's at. It doesn't happen often. You don't have to play the quarterback lottery. There's one sitting there right there for you. Now you just got to go get it. Somebody's got to go out there and go get it. A lot of people talking about the Niners. John Lynch today said that he likes Brock Purdy. They have Trey Lance. They have Brock Purdy. I, I don't think they're going to make a move like that. It wouldn't make a ton of sense for them anyways to do it, but I, I don't think they will. So it's, it, it's, it's a very interesting topic of Lamar Jackson and how much do you pay him, man? I think you give him what he wants if it fits your team. They need to go out. And teams can go out and get a quarterback. And I think that's why the Titans should go out and get him. Because they become a contender, just like that. It's that simple. Don't have to play quarterback lottery. Like we said, they tried to play it, and Malik Willis has struggled in his games. This is where you go out and get Lamar. I, I do think they'd, they'd have to definitely improve the wide receiver group, especially to make that happen. But, I mean, imagine a backfield of Lamar and Derrick Henry. Would we have seen anything like that? I mean, that would be maybe the best backfield ever with those two guys. Absolutely incredible. Obviously, the offensive line needs some help. Taylor lewan has gone, like we said, but start that quarterback position. Man, that's right there. 
And it's going to be interesting how long this lasts, too, which is, does it last through the draft? I, I think this draft is going to have a lot of movement. I think we're going to see a lot of moving parts during this draft, especially with kind of the identified three big quarterbacks we have in Stroud, Young, and Richardson. Levis is a wild card. We don't know what Levis is going to happen. And I don't think there's a ton of top-end prospects that play that people love. I mean, look at Jalen Carter now. Some off-the-field issues kind of hindering him. Jackson Smith and Jigba, obviously still the injury concerns. Some mock drafts have him falling out of the top 10 now. I think there's going to be a lot of movement in this draft. That's why it's going to be interesting to see if this deal gets done before, because I think there's a lot better chance that it gets done before the draft than after. In my opinion. I think we'll see a lot more movement in the draft. And teams will get better and grow through the draft. So I, I think that's where we see Lamar going. I, I, it's hard to see something like draft night, but I could see it before the draft, and especially with some of these teams that are contenders with top pick. It's going to be interesting to see what they want to do with it. But obviously, you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. He's still a restricted free agent right now, so you can still try to offer him the, the tender deal to see, but the Ravens might take it. So that's when it's kind of doesn't matter. Because he's just going to be a Raven if the Ravens want to keep him. It's really down to that. Do the Ravens get rid of him? It's very similar to the Green Bay situation there in Rodgers. They should just let him walk, but now they can kind of play the petty game with Aaron. And I think that's what's going to happen. And they're going to prolong this against the Jets for however long that it takes. Which is unfortunate because I think the, if your player wants out, especially a guy like Aaron that's done so much for you, you just let the guy leave. Just let him leave. You're Baltimore, you let Lamar leave. He obviously doesn't want to be there anymore. And I think it's time for a rebuild for John. Harbaugh needs to figure out how to rebuild in the best way possible. But I don't think it includes Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson obviously says it does not include Lamar Jackson. So we'll see how this develops. Obviously, Lamar is very outspoken. He's talking to Twitter, and he's been outspoken about the numbers that he's gotten. So we'll see, obviously, what he says about it. But I think a team will trade for Lamar within the next couple of weeks. Before the draft, I think a deal will get done. I just That's what it's giving off. Other than that, if it doesn't happen before the draft, I think it could be a long year, and I could see Lamar Jackson sitting out a year. I could see him doing that. This was another episode of the Case Conley Podcast. It's getting to that time. Once again, I want you guys to reach out to the social media, the Case Conley Podcast on Instagram. You can DM me, send me questions, ask about the content. So it's the Case Conley Podcast on Instagram. We drop when the episodes go live. We'll drop some of my predictions. I'm on there. I will be talking about just some of my instant reactions. We have a lot of stuff going on. I'm excited to the future that this podcast is going. I just want to thank you guys for joining me on this ride. But when we come back on Friday, we'll get a final little sneak peek of the final four games. My predictions, my I'll give you a couple of the betting angles, but we're going to take a look at the NBA. The end of the NBA season is coming right around the corner, and we got some crazy playoff runs happening in the West and the East, the new play-in. Play-in makes it fun to watch these end-of-the-year who gets in, who gets in where, you want to make the play in the normal play. It's fun, but obviously LeBron fighting for postseason hopes. 
the East, we got teams that are still fighting for hopes. The Mavs right now on the way on the outside looking in, huge game for, against them. Uh, against Indiana Monday night on the second half of this back to back after they just lost to the Hornets. So we'll we'll take a lot, a little lot more of an in-depth look at that. The MVP race with Jokic and Embiid, who are playing tonight or well, Monday night. See how that results. Joel Embiid has been listed as out so far, so it doesn't look like Embiid's gonna go. But we'll see Jokic play on national TV. We'll see how this all ends and get ready for that postseason. NBA postseason is gonna be fun this year. A lot of parody, a lot of things that could happen, especially in the West. So once again, thank you for enjoying another episode. We will be back on Friday. Thanks.